What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast with Joey Mayalari. I had my second episode uh, uploaded a couple days ago now before the Orioles Avalanche uh, Game 1. Uh, and wasn't able to cover a ton besides uh, the NHL playoffs on it because of time. Uh, so in this episode today, um, I'm going to start by commenting on the Red Sox. Uh, recent struggles in the series against Baltimore. They ended up winning game two of the two-game series against the Reds. Uh, but I'm going to talk about the Red Sox offense and how it stalled for a few games. Uh, following that, I will recap the Celtics-Heat series and how the Celtics ended up taking the series in seven and punching a ticket to the NBA Finals uh, for the Celtics' first trip to the NBA Finals since 2010. Um, I'll give my predictions for the series and preview what to expect from Golden State and their superstar Steph Curry along with the rest of their bench um, and, the rest of their, and the rest of their star players. After that, I will break down Team USA's uh, hockey uh, bronze medal game against uh, Czechia in the IIHF World Championship Tournament um, and discuss Adam Gaudet um, and how well he played uh, leading the Americans in goals and points. At the end, I will dissect the CAA baseball tournament and how Northeastern performed and will follow that up with... Uh, uh, covering uh, the whole landscape of college baseball um, with the CA, uh, the NCAA, excuse me, NCAA baseball tournament beginning tomorrow. Um, so for the Red Sox to start off. Uh, last week when I was on there playing the Chicago White Sox, they stayed very hot in that series. The offense was scoring runs a ton. The Red Sox had 16 runs in two of the three games against Chicago. But now over the last like five or six games, the Red Sox had a five-game series against Baltimore, then played the Reds for a couple games. It felt like something was different with the Red Sox offense. Uh, something stalled. Something was slowing them down. Um, you know, they, they had a five game series against Baltimore, which is a great opportunity to hopefully go four and one and improve your, your standings within the AL East. But, um, of course, naturally, uh, that just doesn't happen. Uh, it was a tough series for the Sox, honestly. Um, and there's, there's a few guys I'm going to talk about uh, that was struggling offensively over the last few games. One guy that wasn't struggling, and it's not his fault, Jackie Bradley Jr., in his last five games before the doubleheader against Baltimore, so the doubleheader um, was a few days ago now. Um, not a few days ago, excuse me, it was Saturday. Um, he was 7 of 18, hitting 389 with a 1032 OPS, had four doubles, a walk, in an RBI, and a run scored in the five games before that doubleheader on Saturday. Um, and then May 22nd to May 29th, in those eight games, he was 10 to 27, hitting 370, had five doubles, hit two runs in, and had uh, 949 OPS. So then heading into last night's game with the Reds, JBJ was 0 5 his last two games and still was hitting 303 uh, over his last 10 games with the 822 OPS. Last night, he went 2 of 4 with a huge basis clearing triple in the eighth inning to give the Sox a comfortable lead. Ended up being the runs the Sox needed. The Sox ended up winning that game. Uh, now the Red Sox are 4-1-1 and in their last six series. So even though things didn't go well, obviously, as, as well as we'd hoped in the Baltimore series, the Red Sox still you know, 4-1-1 and in their last six series. A lot, uh, a lot better of an improvement compared to what they were doing in April um, and also in the beginning of May. Um, in the last two games, though, um, in, 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 we faced Baltimore, the last three games, I should say, because we faced Baltimore and then two games against Cincinnati. In the last two games uh, that the Red Sox played, um, and we faced Baltimore, excuse me, the last three games, we faced Baltimore, who was the fourth worst, fourth worst record in the AL, and Cincinnati, who was the third worst win percentage in the MLB. We were outscored on the Monday Red Sox game and the Tuesday Cincinnati game, 12-1. to they beat us 10 to nothing, the, the Orioles, in the final game of the five-game home series. Um, and the Sox have been only shut out three times this year. So scoring zero runs for the Red Sox, not scoring anything, doesn't happen too often, even with how much we were struggling. Uh, we've only been shut out three times this year. But the offense has been stagnant. Um, the Red Sox blew Friday night's game against Baltimore. Sox were up 8-2, to two, ended up losing the game 12-8. to eight. The bullpen, which I was praising a ton last week uh, for how well they were playing over you know, an 8-10 to 10 game stretch, really imploded. Um, now it feels like we're back to the same Sox team we saw struggle for the majority of the early part of the season, and that's an issue considering the fact that we were playing so well. So everyone's expectations for players, the team, our opportunity uh, to keep rising, everything, we were so high on everything, and now, you know, uh, our views of how well the Sox team can play, you know, come playoff time, and if, can everyone stay hot? Everyone's expectations are now falling again, just going back to the way uh, we were playing earlier in the season. Um, there's one guy, another guy, it's not his fault, Rafael Devis. Um, he's still raking and hitting a ton. Um, before last night's game against Cincinnati, he was hitting 400 over his last six games with the home run and five, five runs scored. On the other hand, though, J.D. Martinez going into last night's game, 
uh, has cooled off over the last five games, hitting just 222 with a 278 slugging percentage. Alex Verdugo, uh, before last night's game as well, has cooled down. Um, also, he was just two of 16 in his last four games with a 125 batting average, a 250 OPS um, over that uh, four game stretch. He was two of four last night, so he recovered well, um, but he was struggling for a little bit over a four game stretch. Um, and then the biggest cool down is Trevor Story, who was the hardest hitter on the planet at one point. His last seven games now, before last night, he was hitting 160, 4 of 25 at the plate with a 620 OPS, struck out 11 out of 25 times at the plate over that seven game stretch and only hit one home run. Comparing to his last eight games before that, so his last eight games before this, you know, seven game stretch, he was slugging uh, uh, 1065 OPS with a 355 batting average, hitting seven home runs, driving in 18 runs in that eight game stretch, and hitting 355 compared to the 160 he's now hitting in the last seven games. So with Story cooling down, that's not what the Red Sox really wanted or needed. Um, and then Xander Bogarts, over his last nine games before last night's game against Cincinnati, he was hitting 303 heading into last night's game with five RBI. So he stayed um, pretty hot. Um, I know he had a tough uh, month of April, but over the last nine games, hitting 303 with five RBIs, he'll take that, considering how bad he was uh, in May, which wasn't even that bad. I think he was hitting around like 260. Um, but compared to how hard he was in April, uh, he definitely cooled down. Uh, Christian Vasquez stayed hot the whole month of May, finished the month with a 356 batting average, a 919 OPS, and 16 runs uh, batted in. He was 13-29 to heading into last night's game. Uh, in his last seven games. So heading into last night's game, in his last seven games, he was hitting three, 13 of 29, uh, 482 batting average with a home run, nine runs batted in, and a 1258 OPS. Um, the Sox hit five home runs on Sunday to beat the Orioles 12 to 2. That was a really good game. Uh, Pavetta went a strong six, went a strong six innings for the Sox, allowing just one run and striking out five Orioles batters. Um, that improved his record of four and four on the year. Uh, the Sox need him pitching well. Pavetta had a really good early start to the 2021 season, um, and then kind of fell off towards the middle. Um, him being at four and four right now, the Red Sox will take. Hopefully, he keeps improving. Um, but then on Monday night, the Red Sox got blown out uh, on Memorial Day, ten nothing. Uh, that was a night game, um, and the Sox now uh, they finished that series, a five game series against Baltimore, which. They really needed to win four. I wanted to go four and one in that stretch. Um, I felt like it would have been uh, a good way for the Red Sox to get back on track. Of course, only take two of three, two of five. So they go two and three against the Orioles in that series. And then on Tuesday night against the Reds, the Red Sox lose uh, two to one. The, the bats were, were struggling once again. Um, and that's the thing. The Reds, who have been playing better of late, 14 to 13, they were in May, um, but three and 18 in April. Those are just games you have to win. The Reds were 14-13 and 13 in May, so I know they were playing better baseball over the last month. But 3-18 and 18 in April just shows how vulnerable a team and how weak of a team they were in April. The Red Sox got to take advantage of that. And I wish they won both games of the two-game series, but they ended up winning last night on Wednesday night uh, to split that series 1-1. Luis Castillo stoned the Red Sox uh, on, Monday, on Tuesday night. Excuse me. Uh, he went six innings, along with just one hit, no runs, walked three batters and struck out ten Sox batters. Um, the Sox finished a two-game series, as I said, one and one against Cincinnati. Um, and the two two out of five they took from the Orioles, so two and three in the Orioles series, one and one in the Red series. Uh, two of the worst teams in baseball, as I said. Uh, the Red Sox needed to have played better in those two series. I would have liked to have gone uh, five and two, six and one. I would have loved, but five and two I would have been psyched with, uh, and we end up with three and four, unfortunately. Um. As for uh, the Red Sox' upcoming trip, um, they'll now be uh, heading for a West Coast trip uh, to face two struggling AL West teams uh, in Oakland and Seattle, um, along with the LA Angels, who have been struggling as of late. They're, they've been three and seven in their last ten, uh, but it'll still be electric to see Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. Um, I'm a big fan of the two of them, and I hope they continue to tear it up. Uh, since baseball is a lot better when those two guys are healthy and are playing and are in the same lineup, it's kind of like new, sports in general are better when New York teams are playing better. It's it's it's, it's the same for stars in the game of baseball and sports in general when your guys are healthy the top players like Mike Trout like Shohei Otani the game's just a lot better to watch a lot better to follow um, especially those two guys being such big superstars being in the same lineup uh, you're gonna drag people in to watch games every single night just because just because of how prolific uh, those two players are anyways 
Uh, Matt Bonds, who I highlighted in my first episode for his disastrous um, stats after signing a year extension, a two-year extension last summer uh, with the Red Sox, was placed on the injured list yesterday with right shoulder inflammation. Uh, Matt Strom was activated uh, from the COVID list. I think it's just a problem. I think it's just probably a way for Matt Bonds to clear his mind and try to get him back to work on his mechanics um, and take some time off to get his head right since he's been playing uh, so poor of late um, over the last year, just about now, last eleven months. Um, moving on, the biggest story I'm probably going to talk about, the Boston Celtics um, defeating the Miami Heat in seven. Tonight is game one of the NBA Finals at Golden State at nine o'clock is tip-off. Uh, my prediction of Celtics in seven um, over the Heat was correct. After game four, I came on for my first episode last week. I had the Celtics winning in seven games over the Heat. Celtics ended up defeating Miami on Sunday night um, in game seven. One thing that I just want to talk about really quick is just crazy to think about how much a Celtics team improved over the course of this season. The Al Horford trade was the biggest move that the Celtics could have made in the last five years. And when that trade with Oklahoma City went down, everyone, including myself, saw it as just a salary dump. And it's hard not to think of it as a salary dump. Al Horford was sitting on the bench in Oklahoma City, uh, wasn't playing towards the end of uh, the 2021 uh, end of that season. Um, they were benching a lot of their veterans in Oklahoma City just to give a lot of the young guys uh, time to develop. So Al Horford was sitting on the bench for you know the last three or four months of last season. And then Kemba Walker, who we traded to Oklahoma City, we had to you know, throw a first-round pick in there as well, who we traded to Oklahoma City was hurt for you know a good amount of his time with the Celtics. In fact, in both of these guys were getting overpaid. You know, Kemba was getting 30 Thirty-three or thirty-four and million a year, and uh, that's similar to what Al Horford was getting. I think Horford was getting around thirty. Um, it was just a salary dump. What a lot of people saw it as, including myself. I thought Al would be a good bench bench piece for the Celtics, um, but he proved to be a lot more than just a bench piece. He's a very crucial part of this team, very crucial part of the starting lineup, and a big reason the Celtics are returning to the NBA Finals for the first time since 2010. Um, and Kendrick Perkins pointed out yesterday uh, that the Celtics were 18-21 and the 11th seed, 11th overall uh, place in the Eastern Conference on January 6th. At that time, the Celtics still had, which think about this, at that time the Celtics still had Romeo Lankford, Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, and Ennis Freedom, Ennis Kanta, all of whom were getting minutes and playing time at that time, uh, at that point in the season. And for all of them, it seems like years ago, they were wearing a Celtics, a Celtics jersey. I don't even remember uh, Josh Richardson and Dennis Schroeder wearing a Celtics jersey. It just seems like a whole new Celtics season began once they went on that hot, uh, hot stretch and, and, and never really cooled off. And something flipped in the Celtics locker room. They really just locked in. I think Ime Odoka has a huge um, part of, of why the Celtics have been playing so well. I think he's a huge reason for it. Um, but something flipped in the Celtics. At the end of the day, Ime Udoka is a great coach, um, but it is on the players to go out there and execute. And something flipped in for them in the locker room where they all gelled together. They're all playing together, playing hard for each other. That's what you needed. The Celtics needed that. Um, and I'm going to break down a few of the games, game five, six, and seven, uh, very quickly. Uh, game five, Celtics won ninety three eighty. Like I predicted, um, like Paul from Celtics predicted as well. He came on last week as my first guest. Um, I had the Celtics winning in seven games, so the Heat winning in Game six and the Celtics winning Game seven were all in line with my predictions. Um, in Game five, the Celtics had six blocks. Um, Robert Williams had three. I think he's the biggest X factor on this Celtics team. Biggest X factor for this uh, series against Golden State. Um, He's the only one listed on the Celtics injury uh, list. Marcus Smuts not in on there for the game one tonight against the Warriors. So just shows that uh, everyone's healthy except Rob. I'm sure Marcus Smuts still a little banged up, but we all know Marcus Smuts. He's, he's not going to ever sit out if he can play. Um, anyways, Rob Williams added six points and ten rebounds in game five. Was great in the minutes he played. Um, Jimmy Butler just didn't have it in game five. 13 points off 4 of 18 shooting from the field. Miami's a team was cold from 3, though. It wasn't just Jimmy. Uh, Miami shot 7 of 45 from 3 in Game 5, which uh, came out to be 15.6% from 3-point range. Um, Kyle Lowry, supposed to be the second or third star alongside Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler was 0 of 6 from the field in, in Game 5, scored 0 points. Um, and then no Tyler Hero. That was really tough on Miami. No Tyler Hero. A banged-up Jimmy Butler, who still gave it his all when he could play, um, and an injured P.J. Tucker, who was fighting through injuries as well. Um, I still knew Miami would wake up, though, and win Game 7, excuse me, Game 6, um, in Boston in order to force a Game 7, um, since I felt like they were just such a resilient team, even with 
you know, not having as much uh, health or, or, or talent. Celtics team definitely was more talented. It was the better team. But you had to think Jimmy Butler and the Heat would wake up in Game 6. Um, and the story of Game 6 was Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Buckets was unreal. There's no other way to put it. 46 minutes played, 16-29 to 29 from the field, 11-11 of 11 from the free throw line, had 47 points, 9 rebounds, dished out 8 assists, had 4 steals, a block, and only 1 turnover. And I think the most impressive stat of all of those of the 47, 9, 8, 4 steals, block, and a turnover, is the tur- one turnover. That's very impressive. In 46 minutes of play, he touches the ball just about every single play and only had one turnover. And he was scoring at will. I mean, he was driving down the lane. Everything was going for him uh, on that uh, in, in that game six. Um, and that's the thing. Uh, he had 47 points outscoring his total from the f- previous three games. Games three, four, and five, he only totaled 27 points in those three games. And then at 47 in game six. Um, and from an ESPN statistic I saw, they said that Jimmy Butler scored or assisted on 10 of Miami's 15 points in clutch time of Game 6, which proves just how much of a factor Jimmy Butler was and how much he took over Game 6. It wasn't just Jimmy 2, though. Kyle Lowry responded well in Game 6 after having zero points, which I just highlighted uh, in Game 5. Uh, he had 18 points off 4 of 9 shooting from the field, a 4 of 9 shooting from the 3-point range. Um, he had 10 assists, 4 rebounds, even added a block and a steal. Um, he ended up following out with just about 2 minutes to go, uh, but it was no problem for Jimmy Butler, who followed it up with a full court and one drive. Um, just took all the momentum away after that. I think it was a tie game, too, when Lowry followed out. Um, for the Celtics, one thing that was odd in Game 6 was that Jason Tatum and, and, and Jalen Brown disappeared in the 4th quarter. They, that's just no other way to put it. Tatum was one of one from the field in the fourth. Um, Jalen Brown and Tatum combined for one field goal attempt in the first 11 minutes of the fourth quarter. And that's just unacceptable. Those are your two stars. Those are the two guys that need the ball in crunch time. And they were letting guys like Grant Williams and Marcus Smart and Derek White take all the fourth quarter shots. That can't happen. They were no-shows. Tatum and Brown were no-shows in the fourth quarter of crunch time. But I'll say this. They responded well in Game 7. But as for Game 6, though, Jalen only had two points in the second half. He missed two massive free throw attempts um, in a tie game with two minutes to go in Game 6. But Celtics still want to win in Game 7, so I guess all's well that ends well. Um, Ime Odoka actually is the first rookie head coach to win multiple Game 7s. Um, game 7 of the Miami Heat-Boston Celtics series was the most viewed ESPN broadcasted conference finals game in four years with 12.1 million viewers. In Game 7, the Celtics and the Heat essentially both ran seven-man rotations. Peyton Pritchett and Tyler Hero did play you know, a few minutes for each team. I'd include them in the seven. Um, Hero did return after missing uh, the previous three games and only played two minutes. I only played seven minutes, excuse me. Pritchett only played two minutes, but Hero only played seven minutes in his return for the Heat. And he didn't look like himself out there, to be honest. Um, you could tell he was struggling. You could tell he was pushing uh, that groin to, to the best he could. Um, he was over 2 from the field. Did add a block on defense. Um, but you could just tell he was laboring and trying to play. Um, so seven-man rotations for both the Heat and the Celtics. Um, since Pritchett and Hero didn't play too much. I mean, they were the eighth guys on both teams that stepped uh, foot on the court. But neither one of them played in any big moment. Um, as for Game 7, though... Miami shot very poor from three, uh, from three-point land once again. Six of 30 from the three, 20%. Um, the Celtics opened the game on a 24-9 to uh, run. Uh, they led uh, Miami 32-17 after the first quarter. And the Celt- But here's the thing. The one thing I think the Celtics might have a problem with in this series against Golden State is the Celtics' offense in the later minutes, in, in the latter minutes of the game, the last few minutes, it has been tough for the Celtics to try to put games away. Celtics are up 13 with 3 minutes and 35 seconds to go against the Miami Heat in Game 7. But of course, Miami would storm back um, with a couple made baskets from Kyle Lowry, a dunk and a crazy three from Max Struess, um, who came around the wing and shot a three off a screen with no room. No room. It was a crazy three. uh, And he made it a two-point game, 98-96, with 50.7 seconds left to go. One thing the Celtics have struggled with, though, is the later minutes uh, of a game and closing it out. I think that might be a problem against the Warriors, since the Warriors can score 10, 15, 20 points on you in a blink with how well they shoot threes and how well they drive down the lane and how well um, they rebound. Very physical team. Um, I think the Celtics could struggle with how well uh, the Heat 
excuse me, the Warriors uh, can go on runs. They're just such an electric team. And that's the thing. If the Celtics can't close out 13-point leads against a banged-up Heat team with three minutes to go in Game 7, I don't know how they can win uh, four games in crunch time against the Warriors. Uh, but I'll give my predictions to that series in a few. Um, in Game 7, though, the Celtics had some very questionable decisions. Um, with a minute to go, uh, Marcus Smart took a wide-open three with around 10 seconds after the shot clock. Rather than letting the 10 seconds just run out, he jays up a three, misses it, of course. Miami gets a rebound. Uh, then Jalen Brown had an offensive foul on a play that he was driving from uh, the corner. Um, and Jalen Brown tried to um, get the foul call against Kyle Lowry, ended up uh, fouling Kyle Lowry and elbowing him in the face. Um, and got called for an offensive foul. Uh, Souths lost the challenge. Um, and the Souths lost the ball as well. And Miami was down five at that point, 50 seconds to go. Um, and that's the thing. Uh, well, and then Struess hit a three after after Jalen did that. Um, but Jalen Brown shouldn't have been trying to score there. He was. We should have tried to waste more time since there was still at least 10, 11, 12 seconds left on the shot clock. Um, gives the ball back to Miami. Um, and then Struess goes right down the floor. Has a crazy three, which I just described a second ago. Makes it a two-point game. And then with 21 seconds left, once again, uh, Marcus Smart had the ball in his hands with the Celts up two and the shot clock expiring. Tatum, non-existent. Jalen Brown, non-existent in this moment. Uh, when you need the ball in either one of their hands, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, you need the ball in one of their hands at this moment when the Celts are up two, 21 seconds left, and a chance to go to the NBA Finals on the line. You want the ball in Tatum or Brown's hands. No excuses. Of course, Marcus Smart's the one with the ball. Ends up missing a layup. Jimmy Butler gets the rebound. Had the decision of a lifetime to make within a millisecond. Running down the court. Without Horford covering him and picking him up at the three-point line, uh, Butler could have gone for a two, could have gone for a three. He opted to go for the two. Um, excuse me, he opted to go for the three instead of the two uh, with 15 seconds left since Miami was down two. Uh, at that moment, he was going for the lead, um, and he missed. Um, and that's the thing. I feel like if he drove, he's either making the layup because he had some crazy layups, uh, or he's getting the foul call. But that's the thing. That's not how the ball rolls for Miami. Um, following that, Marcus Mott went to the line with 11 seconds left. Celts up two. Two big free throws. The fate of the Celtics season in Marcus Mott's hands once again. Longest tenured Celtic. I think he's earned the right, I guess, to have the ball um, in this moment to shoot a couple free throws. Since he hit both of them, he earns the right. Um, also the longest tenured Celtic. Um, but he hit both free throws. Celts end up winning by four. Um, Jimmy Butler had another impressive performance, though. 35 points at 48 minutes of action, no breaks, no minutes off, no time on the bench. Shot 13 of 24 from the field, added nine rebounds, an assist, a steal, and only had one turnover once again. Bam Adebayo had 25 points, 11 rebounds. Max Struess added eight points, five of his points being in crunch time of the fourth quarter. Um, as for the Celtics, Jason Tatum won the inaugural Larry Bird Award, given to the MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Tatum finished Game 7 with 26 points off 9 of 21 shooting. 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 blocks, and a steal. Al Horford did not put up huge offensive numbers once again, but contributed to the Celtics winning Game 7 just as much as anyone. And he contributed to the Celtics winning all three series that they have so far with his abilities on defense, his abilities uh, rebounding the ball, and his abilities in the paint. Horford finished Game 7, shooting just 2 of 9 from the field. Did add 14 rebounds, though, to go along with a steal and 2 blocks. He had the best plus-minus on the Celts team with a plus-16, a plus-10 rating, excuse me. Um, Oladipo actually had the best rating in the game with a plus-16 rating. Um, Jalen Brown finished Game 7, 24 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Marcus Smart, 24 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, uh, 2 of the biggest free throws of the season of his career uh, to send the Celtics to the NBA Finals. Um, he shot 8 of 22 from the field, 3 of 10 from 3, taking 10 threes. I don't think you want Marcus Smart taking 10 threes every game. Celtics end up winning, so I guess you can't complain. Uh, but that could be a problem against the Warriors, since if the Celtics don't shoot threes well, that could be a big issue, uh, because the Warriors can go on 10-point runs in a blink. I know the Celtics love relying on the three and shooting you know, 40 threes a game, and if you're not hitting them, it's going to be a problem to keep up with Golden State. Um, Robert Williams exited Game 7 early. Um, but Celtics still won despite only having 15 minutes of work from him. Uh, he wasn't right, though, out there. You could just tell. Uh, you could tell he was laboring, trying to push through it. Similar to Tyler Hero. Uh, but credit to both the Heat and the Celtics for giving it all, um, giving it their all despite all the injuries they had uh, to key players like Jimmy Butler, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, P.J. Tucker, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, 
Um, they pushed through all of those guys. Um, a lot of respect to both teams. I think if they were all um, in the in the minutes that mattered most um, in game five, six, seven, uh, they were all trying their best uh, for their respective teams. Um, one thing I want to just say, last thing about the Celtics Heat series, Jimmy Butler truly embodies everything you want in a leader, everything you want in a star basketball player. He gave Miami everything he had, once again, as he always does, and he 100% earned the right to decide to shoot that three with 20 seconds to go instead of going for the two um, to tie the game with a drive. He earned that right for how well he played um, in Game 6, how well he played in Game 7, and how much he's given Miami over the last uh, three years now. He's earned that right. So, moving on to the NBA Finals. Uh, Tip-off is tonight in Game 1 at Golden State, 9 o'clock. Um, I think it'll be a tough series for the Celtics. Um, despite having the best regular season defensive rating, I still think covering Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins could be tough for Boston. Um, the Warriors, one thing about them, they're a great story. Um, they waited, you know, 1,005 days um, to have Steph, Clay, and Draymond back on the court together. And even after those two and a half uh, to three years, the dynasty is back. Um, it just proves it re- never really took a stop. Uh, once all three three of those guys uh, were back on the floor, they were finals favorites once again. Um, like Boston, Golden State is great defensively as well. Um, they finished second in defensive rating in the NBA in the regular season. Um, they're a very physical team, so expect a physical hot-fought series. Um, they shoot the three very well in Golden State. Um, they finished the regular season seventh in three-point percentage, 36.4%. Celts were below them uh, by about um, 1%, 35.6% from three. The Celts shot in the regular season. Uh, both teams can rebound, uh, rebound very well. The Celts finished fourth in the regular season uh, with 46.1 rebounds per game. Uh, the Warriors finished seventh with 45.5 uh, rebounds per game. Um, head-to-head this season, uh, they're one-and-one versus each other. Uh, before this season, though, the Celtics, which I know – Golden State had their injuries. Uh, the Celtics won five straight contests against the Warriors over the last uh, three seasons uh, heading into this season. Um, and then this season, Celtics split uh, one and one. Both teams, Golden State and Boston, won their away games. Um, the Celtics lost at home on December 17th, 111-107. Steph Curry had 30 points to go along with five rebounds and four assists in that game. He did have six turnovers in that contest. Golden State will turn the ball over. Um, they're second. They were second in the NBA in turnovers per, per game in the regular season. 14.9 turnovers game they averaged. They only trailed Houston for the worst mock in the NBA. Um, they didn't have Klay Thompson in that game against the Celtics on December 17th. Uh, so factor him in. Um, he definitely makes a difference. Um, Andre Iguodala in that game at 12 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. Two blocks, two steals off the bench for Golden State. As for Celtics, Jason Tatum was 3 of 10 from 3. Um, finished the game with 27 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Jalen Brown had 20 points, 9 rebounds, 5 turnovers. He turns the ball over a ton, as you saw in the Miami series. Tatum turns the ball over a ton, as you saw in that Miami series. Uh, both of them need to play better and handle the ball better if the Celtics want to win this series against Golden State, since Golden State can really take advantage of your turnovers and just start drilling threes. Um, Marcus Smart in that game on December 17th. Had 19 points, 8 of 6, 6 rebounds. Um, then they met on March 16th at Golden State. A little bit different of a contest here. The Celtics won 110-88. Tatum and Brown had 26 points apiece. Tatum had 12 rebounds in that match. Uh, Marcus Smart had 20 points, 8 assists. Shot 4 of 7 from 3, which is a great game from him. Um, and then uh, Derek White was 0 of 8 from the floor. 0 points, 0 from 5 from 3. 0 of 5 from 3. Um, have to think he has to be better than that. The Celtics definitely need to shoot better than that. Celtics still won that game by 22, so just shows they can get scoring from a lot of places. Um, Steph Curry did leave that game early with a left foot injury after fighting for a loose ball with Marcus Smott. Um, Steph only finished that game with three points and four turnovers and 13 minutes of action, uh, which is a ton for him. As I just said, they will turn the ball over a ton Golden State. It's about how much the Celtics can capitalize on Golden State's turnovers and how much Golden State can capitalize on the Celtics' turnovers. Um, in that game on March 16th, Jordan Poole was 6-13 from three-point range. Finished the game with 29 points. Clay Thompson at 18 points, shooting just 1 of 11 from three, though. So had he gone 5-11 from three, it uh, would have been a different game, but he had 30 points. Uh, but he only shot 1 of 11 from three. Um, in the Western Conference Finals, um, the Warriors beat Dallas 4-1 to in five games. Uh, they averaged 115 points uh, per game as a team. Allowed only 106 uh, points per game. Um, so they won... 
on average every game uh, every game by nine points. Um, you know the differential between the, the points they scored and the points they allowed. Uh, Steph Curry averaged twenty five point five points per game in the regular season. I uh, played in sixty four of eighty two games in the regular season this year. Um, two thousand nine Warriors first round pick, seventh overall. Um, the Warriors really built this team from the draft. Um, that's why I think it's really interesting um, that they can build a team around the draft, just have every guy hit and end up, you know, creating a dynasty uh, for years and years to uh, to come. Um, anyways, um, in the Western Conference Finals, Steph averaged twenty three point eight points per game, uh, off forty three point nine percent shooting from three point range. Uh, averaged six point six rebounds per game, seven point four assists a game, uh, a steal per game as well, and also at two blocks um, in the Western Conference Finals. Um, so he's been playing some defense too. Uh, Clay Thompson uh, in the regular season this year, thirty two regular season games um, in his return after missing the last two seasons with a knee and Achilles injury. Um, averaged twenty point four points per uh, twenty. Point four points per game. Um, the 11th overall pick in the 2011 draft. Um, Golden State Warriors draft pick once again. Um, averaged 18.6 points per game in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, around four rebounds, three assists per game in the Western Conference Finals and shot 37.5% from three. Andrew Wiggins, first-time All-Star this year, was a starter in the All-Star game. Uh, averaged 18.6 uh, points per game, 7.2 rebounds per game, and 2.8 assists per game in the Western Conference Finals. Um, he's the only guy really that they got in a trade. Everyone else in this Warriors team, for the most part, were the guys they drafted. Um, Jordan Poole, another Warriors draft pick, 2019 first round pick, um, at the end of the first round, um, improved from 12 points per game in the regular season last year to 18 points per game. Um, this year in the regular season, he was 18 of 18 from the free throw line in the Western Conference Finals, uh, actually finished first in the NBA in free throw percentage in the regular season. Um, in the Western Conference Finals, averaged 16 points uh, per game, 2.8 rebounds per game, 3.8 assists per game, and 1.2 steals per game. So he gets in on the defensive end and can score as well. Um, he has on both ends. Draymond Green, another Warriors draft pick, uh, 2012 second round pick, um, averaged 7-7-7 seven, seven, and seven in the regular season, um, 10.6 points per game in the Western Conference Finals to go along with six rebounds, um, five and a half assists per game in a block per game. Kevon Looney, once again, another Warriors draft pick, um, 2015 first round pick, played very well for the Warriors in the playoffs this year. Average 10.6 points per game, 10.6 rebounds per game, and three assists per uh, three assists per game in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, the Warriors really built this team from the draft um, over the last decade uh, and a half now. Um, besides Wiggins, really, who they got in a trade um, in Otto Porter Jr., everyone else in this Warriors team were dra- on this Warriors team were draft picks: Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Kevon Looney. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody were both 20, uh, 21 first round picks uh, by the Warriors in the top 15. Both those guys contributed off the bench. Um, James Wiseman, another Warriors draft pick. Um, so the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, one and seven of Miami, which I highlighted a little bit earlier. Um, they averaged 105 points per game, allowed only 99.7 points per game. So the Celtics defense was really on uh, in that series against the Heat. Um, Tatum averaged 25 points per game in the Eastern Conference Finals, 8.3 rebounds per game, 5.6 assists per game, uh, just over a steal per game, and had 4.71 turnovers per game. So he's got to get that rate down, um, which I'm going to give you guys a bunch of stats as I've been giving you um, just to, you know, preview the series. Um, Jalen Brown, 24.1 points per game in the Eastern Conference Finals to go along with uh, around 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and 3.28 turnovers per game. Shot 72% from the free throw line. He's got to be better um, than that. 72% in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Celts did win that series, obviously. So uh, at least it didn't come down to free throws for the reason why we lost. But they have to be better. Jalen has to be better at the free throw line in this Warriors series. Uh, Marcus Smart, 16.6 points per game. Just over six rebounds. Just over six assists per game. Um, It averaged over a steal. Uh, per game in the Eastern Conference Finals and shot 28.9% from three. I don't want him to take as many threes as he does, um, but obviously um, Celtics still won that series. So as I said, all these things, I'm giving a lot of critical things like Tatum, Tatum's turnovers, Jalen Brown's free throws, and Marcus Smart's three-pointers. All those are negatives, obviously, but Celtics still won the series and just have to improve now in the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. Um, Al Horford averaged 9.8 points per game, uh, 10 rebounds to go along with 3.7 assists per game, and two blocks per game um, in the West in the Eastern Conference Finals. Excuse me. He did snap 
uh, the longest active streak, or the longest streak ever, actually, um, for most playoff games appeared in before reaching the NBA Finals. 141 games it took Al Horford to reach the NBA Finals, but he finally did it. Um, it ended up being a big piece um, for this Celtics team uh, the whole season. It really was um, a steal of a trade in that Kemba Walker trade, considering the fact that uh, he was a missing piece we needed. So credit to Brad Stevens uh, for seeing that trade um, and seeing it as a way for the Celtics to improve. Uh, Robert Williams averaged nine points per game, six rebounds per game, two blocks a game, uh, per game in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, he's currently questionable for tonight's game. Hopefully he's healthy. The Celtics need him. Um, as of now, my predictions, I would have had Warriors in five um, had I done this you know, earlier in the week. Today, I think I'll go Warriors in six since the Celts did play very well in the playoffs after losing games. Um, after losses, the Celtics are 6-0 and oh in the postseason. Um, so clearly, Ime Odoka does very well in the locker room after losses. But at the end of the day, I think the Warriors' shooting abilities may be tough to defend for the Celtics. I think the Warriors will take Game 1 and Game 2. I think the Celtics will take Game 3 at home. The Warriors will take Game 4 in Boston. Um, the Celtics will take Game 5. And then the Warriors will win uh, in Boston in Game 6. Uh, I'm rooting for the Celtics since I'm a Celtics fan, obviously. I like the Clippers as well, uh, which I'll cover a ton on this um, closer to next season. Um, but I give honest takes. I give honest opinions. I, if I had to bet right now, I would go Warriors in six. But I'm rooting for the Celtics, as I said. Um, moving on to the IIHF Men's World Hockey Championship Tournament. Um, Team USA lost to Czechia in the bronze medal game. Uh, Team USA was competing for a medal for the sixth time in the last nine World Championship tournaments. Um, going into this game, I knew it would be a high-scoring game since the USA gets a lot of shots up. Uh, they outshot seven of eight opponents uh, before the semi semifinal game. Uh, but playing against the high-powered Czech team ended up being too much uh, for USA hockey as they failed to bring home any hardware. Um, they played against David Pasternak, David Krejci. Um, David Krejci actually was on Pasternak's story on Instagram. Pasternak asked, um, are you coming back to Boston? He gave a smile. So we'll see if he's coming back to the Boston Bruins. I know uh, everyone around here, all the Bruins fans would be psyched. Um, I'd be psyched as well. Uh, Krejci's definitely a missing piece that the Bruins could have used this year. Um, Team USA was blown out 8-4, to four, uh, being outscored 6-1 to one in the third period uh, by the Czechia club. Um the Bruins' uh, young goaltender, uh, Jeremy Swayman, had a tough game in net for Team USA. Uh, Team USA was up 3-2 to two after two periods uh, before Czechia exploded in the third period. Uh, David Pasternak had a third-period hat trick. Um, he moved to the second line uh, for the third period and went off, exploding for three goals uh, to hand Czechia his first medal since uh, 2012, actually. So congratulations to the Czechia team and David Pasternak. Uh, Maple Leafs center, David Kempf. Um, added two third-period goals for Czechia as well. David Krejci assisted Pasternak on a goal. Nice to see them still have chemistry. Um, clearly hasn't died off. Um, as for Team USA, the Americans were up 3-1 to one after the first period. Uh, former Northeastern University hockey legend Adam Gaudet. Uh, in 2018, Hobie Baker winner as well. Um, Adam Gaudet was spectacular this whole tournament uh, for Team USA. Um, scored in the second period um, of this bronze medal game, assisted by former BC Eagle uh, Matt Boldy. Uh, Gaudet was the player of the game for the team for, for the USA squad two times um, in the tournament. Was named one of three stars by Team USA for the tournament uh, with Jeremy Swinman and Seth Jones, the USA captain um, and defenseman, being the other. Um, Carson Kuhlman was strong for the U.S., scored two goals in the first period um, of the bronze medal game. Jeremy Swayman stopped 26 of 33 shots faced, uh, but had a disastrous collapse in the third period. Um, and Team USA's issues really had to do with defense. Um, they really only had four healthy defensemen for the bronze medal game. They only carried seven defensemen um, and were down three of them in the bronze medal game after defenseman um, Jacob Megna um, left for a family emergency. Um, so Team USA had to use um, Sam Lafferty um, for the last two games on defense, who was a forward. Um, I guess he played a little defense uh, when he was younger, but um, he had to play on defense. And also forward Riley Baba uh, was forced to play defense as well for USA Hockey. Um, they only have four real defensemen uh, going into the final game. Uh, they did have a very strong uh, first defensive uh, pairing uh, with Seth Jones uh, and Luke Hughes, two very good players, um, a veteran and uh, also a young stud in Luke Hughes. Um, Team USA was forced to um, play with only four defensemen. That's not easy to do. Um, Team USA was supposed to have 
another uh, Northeastern legend, Jordan Harris, uh, to play defense. Um, but according to NHL analyst Chris Peters, um, they never registered him, I guess. Team USA never registered him and chose to add uh, more forwards instead to the roster and didn't have enough room to add him afterwards. Um, so a mistake um, by USA Hockey to not add Jordan Harris and register him correctly. He would have been a huge addition uh, considering how well he plays um, with his skates, how fast he is, and he can play more shifts on less rest. So if you only have five defensemen and he's the fifth one, um, you'd be fine since he can play um, so many shifts, a lot more than other guys and doesn't take too much time off. David Krejci finished the tournament with three goals, nine assists uh, for 12 points total in 10 games. He can still play clearly. Um, finished fifth in the tournament for points, third in face-off percentage with 62.3% of his face-offs won. Um, David Pasternak had seven goals, three assists, 10 points in seven games, tied with uh, Team Canada, a few Team Canada players uh, for most goals with seven. Um, Dylan Cousins uh, being one of those guys. Cousins, I'll mention in a few seconds um, about the Finland-Canada finals game. Um, Jeremy Swayman finished the tournament eighth um, among goalies with a 90.97 save percentage, uh, seventh uh, among goalies with a 2.23 goals against average, Um, and also had a couple shoutouts as well. He had a couple shutouts, so um, he wasn't uh, a bad goal. He played very well for the most part, just a very tough third period period against uh, Czechia. Adam Gaudet. Uh, my favorite hockey player finished the tournament with six goals, two assists, eight total points in 10 games with Team USA. Um, he also just announced on his Instagram that he's also having a baby, so congrats to him and his wife. Um, it was nice just to see Adam Godek get playing time and be set up for the playmaker he is. He's a great playmaker. I was happy uh, the USA team uh, really was looking for was looking for him to score goals um, in the slot, um, and that's just what he does best. He had a goal and assist, um, including the game winning goal in overtime against Sweden. Um, he scored three points against uh, Bruins goalie Linus Almak in that game. Almak at Swim and did do their post game ritual of hugging. A uh, very nice moment, even though there are different teams in the World Championships, uh, to still uh, show the the bond that they have. Um, Godet though played very well. Um, it's nice just to see him get credit um, and get opportunities um, to score goals because that's what he's great at. That's what he was electric with um, at Northeastern. So happy to see him uh, get opportunities to score. Um, looking forward to him hopefully having a big season coming up. I know if he stays at that pace like he was in, in for, for the for USA um, in the tournament, any team in the NHL could use him and his abilities. So uh, congratulations to Gaudet on a great tournament. So happy to see him representing uh, United States hockey. Um, and he played very well, so he's got nothing to be disappointed uh, about. Um, former Minnesota Gophers uh, forward Ben Myers had four goals and four assists uh, for the USA squad. Um, and the former BU and New York Rangers uh, head coach, David Quinn, coached Team USA. Um, had Hopkinton native and Harvard uh, left winger Sean Farrell on the squad as well. Um, so Massachusetts hockey was very well represented. You had Adam Gaudet from Braintree, Matt Boldy from Millville, Mass., Sean Farrell from Hopkinton, uh, and Jordan Harris, who should have been in the active roster from Haverhill, and then also David Quinn, um, who coached uh, BU Hockey. So uh, Boston uh, 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 hockey programs were represented very well uh, with Northeastern and BC guys uh, being on the squad, and then also Sean Farrell playing for Harvard, um, and then obviously um, David Quinn being the head coach uh, for BU for years as well. Um, so in the finals, uh, Finland versus Canada was the finals matchup. Canada won the tournament 28 times, uh, Finland only three times. Finland actually earned their fourth um, championship title on home ice in Finland, uh, defeating Canada 4-3 in overtime. Um, Sakari Mananen uh, scored the game with a goal in overtime for Finland. Uh, Finland trailed 1-0 after a Team Canada goal uh, from former uh, Buffalo Sabres 2019 first-round pick. Dylan Cousins, um, he scored a goal um, in the first period, uh, his seventh goal of the tournament. Um, he was assisted by Islanders staff forward, Matt Barzell. Um, Finland responded by scoring three straight goals, two by former 2010 Minnesota Wild first-round pick and current National Predators um, center, Michael Granlund. Um, Finland was up 3-1 to one with six minutes to go, ended up surrendering uh, two Canadian goals in the last three minutes of regulation. Still got the W and OT, uh, but they definitely didn't finish um, that strong in the third period. Uh, they should have held on to that, didn't even need an OT, but... Credit to them. Congratulations to Finland um, on a great tournament. Um, they played very well, ended up winning it. So credit to them. Hats off to them. Uh, one last player I want to highlight was French goalie uh, Henri uh, Corentin uh, Brice. Um, in the four games he played, had a 1.76 um, goals against average, uh, which was fourth in the tournament. Um, 
and also at a 93, um, 93.14% save percentage, uh, which was fourth as well. Um, France proved um, to definitely be better than they were in the past few years. I know the past few years have been very tough uh, for them. They were very uncompetitive. Uh, but they, showed prog- they showed a lot of progress this year, and I'm looking forward to seeing them play in the World Championships again next year. Um, I never really followed this tournament ever until uh, this year, really. Um, and I only got into it because Adam Gaudet and Jordan Harris were on the USA squad. Um, and as I said before, I'm a big Northeastern hockey fan. Um, roll skis, shout out Mark Wash, a legend. Uh, shout out my boy Peter Amara, the biggest Northeastern hockey fan I know. Um, Team Canada ended up finishing first in the IIHF men's tournament uh, with 47 goals in 10 games. Uh, Great Britain finished last of the 16 teams in the tournament with 10 goals in 7 games. Um, and the Friends was second to last with 11 goals. And Italy was third to last uh, with 12 goals. I just like naming all the countries, uh, seeing all these uh, countries uh, compete in a world tournament. I think is really cool. So happy I could highlight them. Um, quick update in the NHL playoffs. The Orioles lost game one a couple nights ago. Uh, tonight is game two. Um, just an hour or so ago now, um, Avalanche starting goalie Darcy Kemper was ruled out uh, for the game uh, with an upper body injury. So that leaves uh, backup Avalanche goalie Pavel uh, Francouz, uh to be the starter for them tonight. Um, watch a little bit of his highlights, actually. Looks to be a really good goalie. He was player of the week, actually, in the 2020 season or 2021 season, um, I believe, at one point. I think it was – no, it might have been February of 2020. He was player of the week at one point, so – or goalie of the week. So it's clearly got some abilities. Um, in game one, McDavid – Connor McDavid did score a goal at two assists. Leon Dreisaitl had two assists as well, uh, but it wasn't enough. Um, former Oilers uh, first-round pick, um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, had a goal and assist as well, um, but it wasn't enough for the Oilers to win. Tough game for Oilers goalie Mike Smith and net. Um, he only had 19 saves on 25 shots faced, allowing six goals. Um, as for the Avalanche, um, Cam McIver had a goal and two assists, um, who I highlighted last episode. Uh, JT Comfer had two goals. Miko Rontanen, who I highlighted in my NHL special also, um, had a goal and an assist. Um, and then uh, Nathan McKinnon had a goal and assist also. Nazem Kadri, um, who I talked about also, um, scored a goal for the Avalanche. Um, and then Darcy Kemper and Nett. Uh, Kemper really struggled, um, along with three goals and 16 shots faced. Not a great night for him uh, in net for the Avalanche either. But it was a very high-scoring game like we knew it would be and like I predicted. Um, I think the Oilers rebound tonight, win 5-3. to three. Um, Considering it was 7-4, to four, after the first two periods in game one, uh, the Avalanche were up 7-4. to four. I don't see it being as high scoring. you got to think that was uh, just a bad night uh, for the Oilers, for, for a bad night for Mike Smith and Nett. Um, I think they can recover well um, tonight. I think they win. Um, I, I see a little bit more defense. I think it's going to be a high scoring game, but I see a little bit more defense. Moving on really quick to the Rangers series. Last night was game one in New York. Uh, at Madison Square Garden, the Rangers defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning 6-2, to two, blew them out. Uh, the Lightning who swept the Florida Panthers, um, they had a week off, which isn't always the best thing since, you know, it's a lot of time off for guys and guys can get rusty. Um, Andre Pilat, um and Steven Stamkos had the only Tampa Bay uh, Lightning goals. It wasn't and- Andre Vasilevsky's best night um, in the net either, surrendering six goals and 34 save opportunities um, for the Rangers. Uh, Philip Heedle, uh won the number one star of the game for them, and rightfully so. Um, scored two goals and his only two shots on goal. Um, Rangers defenseman Adam Fox had a couple assists as well. And then uh, Artemi Panarin, uh, Mike Zibanejad, um, and um, Frank Vitrano all had um, a goal and assist apiece for two points um, each um, in the game. I highlight all of them, actually, in the NHL special also. And then Chris Kreider, former BC Eagle, um, scored a goal as well. Um, so nice to see them start strong. Um, I did have Tampa Bay winning the series, which I still do have Tampa Bay winning the series. I still think they recover well um, and win game two. Um, but Chris Kreider scoring a goal. Happy for him. BC uh, hockey guys making plays um, in the biggest moments. Um, Igor Shosturkin uh, was filthy in net uh, for the Rangers, stopping 37 of 39 shots faced for a 94.9% uh, save percentage. Um, he was really the only goalie that had a good night of all the other three goalies um, that played in the conference finals games. Um, with Vasilevsky having 82.4% save percentage, uh, Kempa only having um, an 81.2% save percentage, and then Mike Smith having a 76% um, save percentage. Um, Igor Shosturkin was the only one that really had a good night um, in the in game one for both series. Um, Oilers backup goalie, though, Miko uh, 
Koskinen uh, did play well um, in relief of Smith, stopping 20 of 21 shots. Um, just want to highlight that. Um, but I still see Tampa Bay winning this series. Um, I think in my original prediction might have been five games. Um, I'll, I'll change that to six now. So I got the Orioles in six still, and I got Tampa Bay in six still. But credit to the Rangers, very resilient team, very hard-fought team. Um, they always give it their all, winning two straight series um, in game seven. So they'll be a tough out for sure, and I'm sure Tampa Bay realizes that now as well uh, too. Just a couple other quick things I want to highlight about the Celtics-Warriors series. Um, this is... Uh, the sixth trip for the Warriors in the last eight years to the NBA Finals. Uh, they went five straight years, actually, from 2015 to 2019. Had a 3-2 and two record um, series-wise over that five-year stretch. They did miss the last two years um, of the playoffs with injuries. Um, the Celtics, though, I see struggling uh, in this series. They couldn't close out uh, against the Heat until Game 7. A banged-up Heat team that couldn't shoot. Um, and then a Bucks team who couldn't shoot either took seven games. Now, facing a Warriors team that can shoot and make you pay... I think it could be tough. Warriors in six is my guess. Uh, but it definitely could go either way. Um, the Celts have relied on losing games to wake up, uh, to use it to wake up when their backs are against the wall. But I think this matchup could be tough for Boston. Um, ESPN's Basketball Power Index did give the Celtics an 86% chance of winning uh, over the Warriors. Warriors at 14%, uh, which is really impressive um, of a stat. Um, 123 games of NBA Finals experience for the Warriors compared to the Celtics' zero experience. Um Will will come into play, I think, in the end of games since the Warriors know how to make big time shots, and the Celtics at the end of games have been really struggling uh, to really get uh, quality shots up. I saw a stat today on NBC Sports Boston, and the final three minutes of the fourth quarter of this postseason, Jason Tatum's ten of seventeen from the floor, two of four from three. Jalen Brown, 6 of 13 from the floor, 3 of 7 from 3. And Marcus Smuts, 3 of 20 from the floor, and 0 of 8 from 3 in the final three minutes of the fourth quarter uh, this postseason, in games this postseason. So Jason Tatum having 20 shots compared to Jalen Brown, 7, 13, and Jason Tatum, 17. That's a big worry for me, um, for the Celtics especially. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. How that plays out for the Celtics, uh, especially considering Marcus Smut uh, hasn't been too great in the latter minutes of games. Um, in the last few minutes of games, he just hasn't been uh, clutch at all. Three of 20 from the floor, as I said, um, which is a worry for me. Um, Mike Breen missed Game 7 of the Celtics Heat Series with COVID. I believe he is out um, again tonight. And now Jeff Van Gundy today tested positive for COVID as well. Um, so I believe they're both out tonight. will not be broadcasting the game. Mark Jones and Mark Jackson will be calling the game Uh Tonight, which is tough, not having Breen, such a legend. And then Jeff Van Gundy's great in the booth as well. Um, tough loss there. Tomorrow I'm going to come back out uh, with a highlight of uh, how the CAA tournament went for Northeastern Baseball and then preview the NCAA baseball bracket. Um, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time. Hope you guys have a great night. Go Celts. Best of luck to the Celts. Hopefully they can bring home a big game one win, and I can maybe even recap it tomorrow um, briefly if it were to go well. Thank you guys so much again. I appreciate it. Have a good night. Take it easy.